Early Childhood Development. Each week we talk about a different stage of children development and what children need. And now, here comes your host. Hello everybody and welcome. My name is Taryn and you are listening to The Parent Thing. Our topic today is going to be reading and reading readiness. So teaching children to read how old they should be, or how to know when your child is ready to read. And I have an incredible guest with me this week. Her name is Kobela Guy. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Taryn. Lovely to be here. It's lovely to have you. Thank you for setting aside some time to chat with me. Can you tell me more about you and what it is you do? I know that you were a teacher and then a couple of shifts and transitions have happened. Yes, yes. I started out as a preschool teacher and uh, moved through the system in terms of moving from being a preschool teacher to a kindergarten teacher to a grade lead. I was a teacher trainer. And uh, my last job was as the head of curriculum uh, for birth through grade four for the United Arab Emirates. So that was my last job. Mm -hmm. And then I started my business because, you know, children need to learn how to read. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us more about the business and tell us what motivated you to start your business. So what really motivated me, it's, it was always something that was in the back of my head, but when COVID hit, yeah, started getting calls from because I was in Dubai at the time. And I'm getting calls from family and friends who have kids who are in kindergarten, and they're freaking out, what am I supposed to do? So I'm asking the questions, what lists are they learning? What skills are they on? And the parents didn't know. And I was just in shock that this kind of communication wasn't happening. Yeah, um, because I was always trained to keep my parents up to date with everything you know, over all of them as much as possible. So I started doing little things here and there, uh, sending uh, worksheets that they could do with their their kids at home. And because they were just so desperate, even though I hate worksheets. And then (laughs) I thought, well, they need to understand how to actually do this. So then I started doing videos on YouTube to explain things. And it just kind of mushroomed into what I have now, which is uh, Teach My Kinder. And it includes a reading program, a full reading program um, that includes things that I know are often missing in instruction, even in the classroom. Yeah. And um, so working on phonemic awareness, phonological awareness skills, and then getting to a place where they can, you know, read simple sentences independently. So, yeah. How do you know when a child is ready to read? Like, so is there a certain age that we have to look for or are there signs that a child will give you that indicates that they are in fact ready to start reading? Children will show you when they're ready for anything. They will show you because they will start showing interest in letters. They'll start asking you. Um, They will start mimicking reading. They'll often pick up a book and it may be, you know, upside down, but you can turn it, uh, turn it around. And this happens more so with parents who are reading to their children regularly. So they're really trying to read with you. Um, So children will show you, but generally speaking, most children are going to start showing those signs around two or three. 
Yeah. And by then they're ready for the phonemic awareness type. Okay. Yeah. When, and uh, the problem is most parents will think, oh, my child is saying their ABCs or they're singing the ABC song. Right. They're ready. And I'm like, no, <laughs> they have learned a song. That's wonderful. Absolutely. It's just a song. Um, but they'll show you when they're ready. And yeah. by kindergarten, most children and, and kindergarten in the States, or I should say by age five, six, they are picking up uh, letter sounds, starting to blend, to read little, little simple words, et cetera. Yeah. But it totally depends upon each child. They're unique. But if you watch them and you see that they're starting to show interest, more and more interest, yeah. then it start to t- it's time to start giving them a little bit more. Absolutely. So I taught as well, as you know, um, in the United Arab Emirates, and I also did pre- pre-K and kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And the different schools I worked at had different reading programs that children are supposed to learn. And it's the programs, I guess, that they believed in. Would you say that phonics is the way to go? And I ask this because there was a, a, a school that I taught at back home in South Africa that um, they didn't believe in phonics. There was a, it's a system called thrash and it, 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 it was not phonemic awareness. It was remembering like groups of words. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but it just didn't make any sense with me because the children weren't able to sound out simple words so that's the first part of the question and then the second part of the question is when teaching phonemic awareness if you believe in phonics is the way to go do you teach letter names and sounds or primarily sounds when children are just starting to read because I see a lot of like these tv uh, programs that parents are letting their children watch it's a lot of a's and b's and c's but when you go to school there's a lot of as and buzz and cuz. Mm-hmm. It sounds like uh, the, the program you were uh, talking about in South Africa believed more in whole whole language approach. Okay. And um, that was an approach used in the US as well for quite some time now. And as a result, we have seen reading scores dramatically fall. Our right. children are not able to read. Right. Research on how we learn how to read has shown us <laughs> without a doubt phonics mm-hmm. is the way to go and 100%. i agree with that that like i'm a firm believer in phonics mm-hmm. and the, the problem though is that if you talk to most people they understand phonics but they don't understand phonemic awareness that step that comes before before and they don't understand that often when you see reading problems in children you can trace it back either to a gap in their phonics or a gap in their phonemic awareness. Phonemic yeah, awareness yeah. is just um, being able to play with sounds. It has nothing to do with letters. But if you can't play with those sounds, you'll have a hard time mapping that sound to that letter. Right. That's the issue. Right. So often that people will skip over phonemic awareness completely because they have not heard about it or they don't quite understand it and move to phonics when kids are not ready. Yeah. And so that, that ends up being a problem. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent, a hundred percent a phonics person. I believe in uh, moving in a developmentally appropriate way. I have said this for a long time and I'll continue to say it. Speaking and listening is normal and natural for us as right. human 
typically right. developing children, speaking and listening. Yes. Learning like to listening. Read. We're a little iffy on well, that. Well, no, not following directions. Who don't know how to listen. <laughs> no, not following directions. No, but no, just no. Listening. I mean, like having a conversation with someone, like I know people who just don't listen. They cut you off whenever, like every mm. chance that they get, like just the inability to listen. I've yeah. noticed that a lot lately, actually. I think that comes down more to a, that's the social aspect of listening. That's the learning how to take turns and maintain a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that is something that, you know, we early childhood people try with children. That's another developmental (laughs) (laughs) conversation, (laughs) you know, carry on a conversation on the same topic, things like that. But no, speaking and listening um, is, is quite a normal thing for us if you're typically developing. Learning to read is a made up thing that a bunch of us have gotten together and decided these shapes mean this. Right. And now you have a small child that you've called in and said, all right, now you have to come and agree with us. Yeah. This means this. Every time you see it, except these little rules here, and it kind of switches the sound sometimes. I think when you start to understand reading from that perspective, mm-hmm. it it makes it easier for people to see, okay, I really need to understand that this child is going into something that's completely foreign. Like it is a completely foreign concept to them. So you really have to break it down in a way that is digestible for them. Right. And that makes sense, right? Because it's only when people understand something that it will actually be learned. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because one thing I love doing with uh, parents, I've done several webinars and whatnot, and I always, <laughs> the little tricks you tell them, like uh, the one, le- the most misunderstood letter in the English alphabet is X. And I'm like, what sound does it make? And look at your child's toys. What sound is it telling your child makes? Yeah. It's a xylophone. Right. That's not the sound they need to learn. And right. Like, huh? I said, yeah, it's X. That's the sound it actually makes. That's yes. the sound they need to know for box six, you know, things like that. Right. So you can see that people, parents, even some teachers, unfortunately, don't spend enough time truly understanding what reading looks like at this age and the yes. skills children need to master. So then it's hard for them to teach it to the child. And if they can't understand it, how can the child learn it? Absolutely. So that's why I asked you to come on because there are parents who, I want to say parents who expect or parents who think that it is solely the teacher's job to teach their children. So this is a big problem I had as a teacher. I see you shaking your head (laughs) as a teacher and parents then wake up a little too late. I had a parent contact me to tutor their ninth grade child Mm. and I was all too happy to do that and I came in and she was literally reading on a first second grade let's let's be nice and say a second grade level right so she's in ninth grade and it's the third time she's in the ninth grade because they cannot Mm. promote her because she's not comprehending what she's reading she's unable to read um I picked up so many like first two sessions with her I saw like how this little girl slipped through the cracks so badly uh she only finished school when she was 21 years old because she struggled so badly I was only able to tutor for so long because then I moved um 
So I, I think it's so important, yes, for teachers to, it's, it's almost virtually impossible for teachers to always get to all the children. So many kiddies slip through the cracks so badly mm-hmm. and parents refuse to, or they have excuses or they have, I don't have time or whatever it is, but it's so important for parents to get involved with their children's education because a teacher has so many students that they have to take care of. And it's a lot of pressure on us to make sure that every child does not slip through the cracks. And yes, there's differentiation and we put them in groups and we do all of that to try and help, but it's still, the onus still lies on the parents to help. And so that's why I brought you on here to help parents help their children. So in saying all of that to help your child not slip through the cracks, what would you say are some of the best strategies to helping a child learn to read? Because no matter what you want to do in life, any occupation, any occupation, you have to know how to read. Yes. And that is why um, there's so many aspects of education I could have gone into. Because, you know, as early childhood people, we are generalists. We teach everything. Everything. I thought, if you can't master this reading skill, how right. are you going to get through the math book? That exactly. has if you can't read it, if you can't read it, exactly. how are you going to, even if you want to be, uh, I mean, even if you like, if you're not looking to be an astrophysicist or, you know, a doctor, like they need to be able to read. But if you are going to work with your hands, if you're going to be an mm-hmm. artist, if you're going to be an actor, you need to be the script. Like reading is a negotiable in life. Yeah. If you want to read your email, <laughs> read your right. bill. Read a text message. Like you cannot, you like you can't do texting. Mm-hmm. Like you can't like social media, reading captions, like read like literally, you cannot drive without being able to read a stop sign or do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's, it's a foundational so thing. Yeah. Absolutely. It is so important. And the thing that I tell parents, I have a, a video because I, I read this study that talked about um, the 1.4 million word gap between, yeah, by ch- children who are ready. Mm-hmm. And you know how children's vocabulary links to their ability to read. You have right. to have an understand. You have to have a bank of words that you can yeah. pull from. So um, in this study, it talked about how children there are two groups of children, basically those who have a, uh, who have a vocabulary that is less than their peers by 1.4 million words. And it's because they were wow. not read to. Yeah. And all it takes is reading five books a day. That's it. And I'm like, it's not really that hard. Think about it. If you are reading, let's just think about a child's day. If you put them down for nap, read a book or read two, book. let's say you yeah. read two books and children's books aren't long. <laughs> They're yeah. very short. Two books before nap time. Let's say you read a book when they come home from school. Let's say you read a book in the morning. And then if you're traveling somewhere, let's say they have a book on tape that they're listening to. Yeah. Five books. And before bedtime. Right. Six. Right. Like, there's so many ways to get those words in. So I tell parents, to start with reading them books, period. Read books, let them see you read, talk about it. I mean, things I used to love doing with my students was we would have a book and I'd have the movie. We ah. read the book, we'd watch the movie, and then we talk about the differences. The differences. That's amazing. 
Like we, and another thing I used to love to do with my students was we would do author studies, Mercer Mm -hmm. Mayer and the Little Critter series. Like I, we loved that. We would read all the Mercer Mayer books. Yeah. And there's a lot of them. So they actually had a growing bank of books that cover different topics, read books that relate to their life. That's why I love the Mercer Mayer books because Little Critter was about kindergarten age and it dealt with his life as a kindergartner. I have a new sister. I don't want to share my toys. I have to go to school. I don't know about friends. I don't want to do this thing. Mom and dad tell me to, I don't want to eat these vegetables. I mean, all these things that they can relate to. So really picking out books that you as a parent can read to your child and you can share together. Yeah. That's, That's honestly a great way to start. Another thing that I really reinforce is those nursery rhymes because we're talking about the phon- phonemic awareness, phonological right. awareness, the rhyming, the, the mm-hmm. intonations, the rhythms. Yes. And just having that fun because now they're starting to equate reading and, and wordplay with fun. You right. want that. They need to know that it's a fun time. It's a cozy time with mom and dad. Yeah. Reading is a positive experience. Yeah. I encourage parents to read the same books to their children, like repetitively, because mm-hmm. that causes them to remember and remember the words and remember what comes next. So that allows them to sequence stories as well. Exactly. Exactly. That is a huge skill for them to have. Yeah. Um, another thing I tell parents to do is that you need to understand the difference between a book that your child can read yeah. and a book that you will read. Right. So for example, I have a dear friend who has a son and uh, like about, I think two months ago, we went book shopping because she was just so frustrated with his reading level. He's in first grade. And she's like, I just, I don't understand what to do. His test came back. She gave me all the material. And I said, okay, these are the skills he needs to work on. Let's go shopping for books. I said, no, well, show me the books that you read with him that he reads at home. And when she showed them to me, I was in shock. I said, my dear, that is like a fourth grade level book. And that's why it's not landing, right? And that's why it's not fun. It doesn't make sense. He can't read it. He likes the, and she got it because she's like, it's his favorite characters. And, and it said, step one, step into reading, step one. Ah. And I thought, oh no, (laughs) no. So really understanding the difference. I took her and I said, all right, now these are the kinds of books I recommend, like the Bob books. Those are great. They have three letter uh, words in them. Very simple for kids to learn how to read. So really understanding what books your child can read and mm-hmm. what books you read to your child. Your child. Big difference. Yeah. There's so many things I could say. Ta- even talking about introducing letter sounds to your child. There's a specific right. way I believe in doing it. Um, Do you want to share that with us? I like sat pin. Sat me pin. too. I love me some sat me pin. <laughs> That's how I start. That's how like, I what's that? I had a, a lady I worked with. She taught for 30 years in the yeah. States. I told her about sat pin and she went, I've never heard of that. And I said, well, let me explain it to you. It will revolutionize. I know. It, and when I show it to people, I'm like, this is how many letters, if you teach in alphabetical order, this is how many words your child will be able to read. 
versus yeah. if you teach with sat pin and they're just like oh my goodness okay so so we obviously got excited here because we teachers we know what sat pin is but we have people listening who have like what the heck are they saying do you want to break it down for us <laughs> sure sure okay sat pin s-a-t-p-i-n P-I-N. it's the first six letters that you would introduce to your child and then there's a specific order that it continues them um, to introduce children right, the, right. the letters of the alphabet to children and you'd asked me this before and I'll answer it in this talking about sat pin. Okay. I focus on letter sounds because yeah. you need letter sounds when you're learning to read. You don't need to know the name. I don't need to know that this thing is called S. S. I need to know what says S. Right. That is what is, that's what I'm going to use when I learn how to read. Absolutely. So when you introduce those letter sounds to the child, you'd introduce the S sound, ah. By the time that child has learned those first three letters, sounds, and can say them fluently, you can start teaching them how to blend, to blend. at, 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 and they can read at, and right. then you can add the s, at, sat. So they're starting to pick up words faster, faster. than they would if you taught them from A to Z. It just, yeah. it just makes it so much easier because you're moving from... And I'm going to use some teacher speak from theory to practice very quickly for them. quickly. Yeah. So that's why I like using sat pin. And that's why my reading program, all the letters are introduced in that order as well. Okay. Because it gives them time to practice those letter sounds and being able to blend them to read. So it's, it's a huge game changer when, when parents and teachers learn about it and absolutely. And- so a question I have um, in terms of, so we do sat pin and you introduce the blending, but then there are the sight words, the tricky words, uh, as some call mm-hmm. it. Like, do you believe in teaching children the words that you need to identify by sight because they're a little trickier to sound out? Yes. I, and here's how I do that. They, we have the Dolch list and the Fry list. Okay. Right. I then take that list and divide it using um, the science of reading. I love that. Love me some science of reading that goes into how we should actually teach children how to read. I take that list and divide it into heart words and okay. decodable words. Okay. Decodable words are the words that we can sound, sound out, out. phonics skills. Right. So I don't believe in introducing um, those words until we've covered some of those sounds. The okay. heart words are words that you have to memorize by heart. Heart. So those you can introduce at any time, like the. We are not going to teach you the phonics rules behind, behind the, because you just cannot, right? You're going to memorize it. And right. I, I, you will learn long I later, but this I this is a word mm-hmm, and a, that's a word. So there are word. some, some words that are heart words that children just need to memorize and you yeah. introduce them and teach them in a way that is uh, meaningful for children Mm -hmm. and for me, play-based. So introducing them in a way that's playful, that children can can really grasp them. So you can do both. You can be introducing phonics or phonemic awareness skills while you're introducing sight words, heart sight words at the, they can, they can run parallel. So, and kids will be able to pick them up. And then by the time you get to the other sight words that are decodable, they already have those letter sounds. So they can look at it and sound it out. 
really quickly and it's not even going to be a challenge for them absolutely so we spoke about children showing you when you when they are ready to read like they'll show the interest they'll show that they want to learn to read Mm -hmm. but then we have little ones that just don't show any interest and when you try and introduce it especially in the kindergarten first grade when the reality is now they don't have a choice. They have to learn to read because mm-hmm. now you are of age. So even if you didn't show the interest earlier in life, right now you don't have a choice. You have to learn to read. But there's resistance. Do you have advice for parents and teachers who are listening who have um, children in KG or first grade that show no interest in reading that just don't want to do it? Yeah. Um, find out what they like you know what children like, you know what that child enjoys and embed their reading into it. For example, I have had some of my children who, (laughs) if it was time to read, (laughs) heaven, the the gnashing of teeth and the cry, small group, I don't want to do it. But if it was time to go to the blocks area, hey, hey, let's go. It's going to be there. I said, I got you, honey, no problem. I will take reading to the blocks area. What I am going okay. to do is I'm going to take the blocks and I'm going to put letters on them and we are going right. to build. Can you hand me the eh? Because I'm building a tower. Can you hand me that block? That's the eh. And they'd have to find it. Oh, thank right. you so much. Oh, no, no, no. I think that's the t. The t. Can you hand me the s? I mean, just really embedding learning in their play. That's, yep. that's the way you can... Um, because it becomes less stressful for them and you can get around some of the resistance that way as well. And then trying to figure out why why is reading so triggering for them? Right. Like what, what, what is it about this that they really truly do not like? And I, I had a little girl and I always talk about my Tiffany. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tiffany would love to dance. She, ooh, that child, and she could dance. She oh, knew cute. she could dance. But Lord have mercy, anything to do with any kind of learning. Tiffany was not, she was not about it. She didn't care. Right. So we did a lot of dancing when it came to reading. So like the freeze dance, we do a rent, something like that. But it was, if you heard a certain sound. Okay. Or if I slapped a certain letter, something to connect what she liked to do with what she had to do. With what she had to do. <laughs> okay. Getting around it. So absolutely. So I have one more question before we end off. And and it, it wasn't a planned question, but it was listening to you talking now. And when I teach later sounds like you said, S and, and, mm, right. But there are teachers who would teach like, t and, b and, m. Mm, that's not so can, right. So can we just address that? Because especially teaching in the international schools in the UAE and even back home in South Africa there were teachers who who did the who added the accent at the end can we just talk about why it's not ideal to teach the sounds that way you want to teach the sounds in their purest form yeah because if I learn that b is b and then I have b Ad, b, ad, b, ad. No, that's not the sound. It's b, ad, d, bad. So you want to right. teach the letter sounds in their purest form because it makes it easier 
for children to learn how to blend when they actually have to put those sounds together to, to read. And yeah. it's just wrong. <laughs> it is wrong. I agree with just you. 100%. Wrong. Like you, you just, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a habit that we all have. And I think it's because we're trying to emphasize it, for emphasize. Children, but don't just really, um, there are different types of letter sounds and I won't get into all that, you know, that gets into a lot of linguistics and teacher talk, but right. just really knowing that you need to just say the actual sound itself and take mm-hmm. off that, uh, that we tend to put at the end of, of, uh, those plosive sounds. Sounds. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. But before we finish off, can you tell our listeners how they can reach you? Like what, what your resources are that they can get, how they can reach you for more um, tips and tricks, advice, the resources that you have to help their children reach. Sure, sure. You can on Facebook. I am at Teach My Kinder, K-I-N-D-E-R. Um, you can also go to teachmykinder.com. Those are the two places that you will find uh, resources. Um, I think I have my YouTube videos linked on the website as well. So, okay, perfect. MyKinder.com. There's blog posts, there's videos, there's resources, there's all kinds of stuff there, all about learning how to read for young children. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. Really appreciated your input. I learned a lot too, uh, (laughs) and really enjoyed the chat with you. Thank you for having me. It's lovely. I I really love spreading the word about making sure children learn how to read at such a young age, because when you're now, it's a lot easier for you and them as they get older. As they get older. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you again so, so much. Welcome. Thank you for parenting. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions, please email us at Taryn at theparenting.com. Please remember to subscribe, like, share, and give my aunt a five-star rating. Come back again next week.